Hi, I'm Danny Swanson, and you're listening to Glory Days of Gold. Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. Do you do? We are the boys from New Bayview and we are back with another episode of Glory Days of Gold, your East Fife and Scottish football podcast. We've sang Shangalang, we ran with a gang, doing doo-wop, bed dooby-doo-eye. We were all in the news with our blue suede shoes and now we're going to be dancing the night away. I'm Michael McCall. I'm Doug Perry. I'm Gordon Henderson. And we've got a fun-filled show in store for you today. Well, maybe fun-filled is like stretching it a little bit. You'll notice that Lee's not with us today. Unfortunately, other commitments mean he can't make this one, which was terrible because we've actually got a win to talk about. And he's had all the dross to talk about, so it's a shame for that. But we'll have Lee back soon. We'll all be talking about today's win. A little bit later in the show, but we're not going to delve too much into it. We're not going to do our usual game analysis because there's not too much to talk about for the rest of this season. So we'll be talking about some other things as well. We'll, we'll have a look at what the future might lie in store. We'll have a little bit of chat about football films, touching the Super League as well. But what I want to start off with is the dust has settled after Tuesday night. Hopefully you... You guys that are listening, watch the live, watch along. When I last looked at the views, 249 people had watched that on Tuesday night. Possibly folk just watching it again to see our misery as the, the goals went in. But like, we'll start with you, Gordon. The, the dust settled, some days have passed. Have you calmed down? You're still raging? How, how are you feeling about everything now? Yeah, I think calming down a little bit. I think the... You know, the day or the evening that happens, it's always really disappointing and you're probably always a wee bit more kind of reactionary about things. Um, but aye, so I would say that I've, I've sort of calmed down and maybe got a wee bit more perspective on it. Um, I think probably that even happened as we were ch- chatting after the game. We were talking about that. We were kind of raging at the start and we yeah. all kind of calmed down a bit over the next hour, but. It was yeah, like a come, come down for us doing that hour after the game. It was uh, quite good, I think, it probably... Like sobering up a wee bit yeah. or something. <laughs> but no, no, I'm thinking, you know, like we were saying on Tuesday, we came we came very, very close. Um, we haven't been bad. I don't think we should jump into any knee-jerk reactions. I think I still agree with a lot of what we're saying, that we do need a bit of changes and maybe... Maybe moving on some players that aren't bad players and fans will like, but maybe we need a bit of freshness to the squad. Um, still think we should stick with 
Darren and Tony. Um, but yeah. What about you, Doug? You got any sober second thoughts after the last four um, days? Yeah, I'll quickly clarify, I wasn't drunk at the time. Um, <laughs> it would have helped. Um, do you know? I, do you know what? It's funny. I I listened back to or watched back to um, do it, and you obviously dissect your own performance as a human. And the, just the bit before I went on that sort of rant, um, which I've been getting messages about all the time. You can actually see me like bopping and waiting and readying myself to just go. And I actually don't know if I agree with anything I said. Like genuinely, like in the sight of hind. Um, <laughs> it's weird. It's honestly, it's so weird. Like I, I, I think I just, I got this weird Dick Campbell thing in my head and just went off on one about how, you know, just play four four two, just make it simple, which I mean, I partly agree with, but that's, you know, there's only there's literally only one team I think in probably the whole of Scottish football that that just does that rigidly, and that's them. I also said that um, it wouldn't bother me if, if if Darren Young and Tony McMahon left, and I don't agree with that at all. Um, but do you know what? Do you know what it shows? And it's it's for any of the listeners out there who maybe don't grasp if we're Big East Five fans. That's all you needed to hear because it's that's exactly the passion. I'm not talking about me, I'm just saying in general, that you'll have at the end of the game, that absolute raw, just, I mean, we were seething. I mean, Lee, bless him. I think my brother had messaged in saying, this guy genuinely needs a hug. Yeah. It's totally true. It, he he like, looked so down. Yeah. And do you know what it is? In, in that week that's been, you know, we might touch on the whole Super League thing that was going on, but. You know, in that whole week that's been about how the fans are kind of getting ignored and how it's not, you know, it's above the fans and they don't care about the fans. It, it That just showed to me, you know, four or five guys that just really, really care and we're just, we're just hurting, like genuine hurt about your team not not doing what they do. And not so much about our performance against Airdrie, more against the fact that somehow Cove didn't at least draw with Montrose. Um, yeah. But, you know, I don't take back a lot. I'm not, you know, disappointed in myself for saying what I said. But perspective is so key in football and probably in life. Let's get philosophical. But I think especially, in, you know, everyone's emotions are raw. You get that little few days just to kind of go, yeah, okay, you know, right. I thought that, I thought this, thought that. But really, we're not in a bad situation. There's a hell of a lot worse, you know places we could be. I, yeah, I can't remember who said on Tuesday, but it's like, we could be breaking. I think it was you actually, Doug. It's like, but yeah, we yeah, could be breaking. <laughs> and, uh, well, like I, said, like, like I said on, you know, for, for, was it Tuesday? Yeah. <laughs> like I said on Tuesday, the breaking thing, like, it genuinely breaks my heart. It really does. There's something really cynical and, and sort of just finite about this um this pyramid thing and how easily you can one minute be up here and the next you're just gone. I mean, like gone. I mean, who's to say we can all survive this? I mean, yeah. Because the know, thing is, you, you look at Brecon and their downfall and how quickly they've dropped and you're thinking, are they going to compete in the Highland League? Are they going to have the resources against some ambitious team? Because Brora spent money, they've stepped up. There's going to be another team licking their lips there now going, well, Brora's gone. Well, assuming 
I'm assuming Brewer will go up. That might obviously not be the case. But say Brewer went up, or even if they don't, there's going to be teams licking their lips thinking, we've got a chance now. Well, that's the scary one. The two scary things about the the pyramid for me is one, like you mentioned, you look at Brecon and was it four seasons ago, they they won that playoff to go into the championship. I mean, if you, I mean, if you're a Brecon fan at that point, life is great. The future looks great. Four seasons later, you could be out of the league. And the second thing is how difficult it is to get back up. Now, I was I was saying on Pine Bovro this week. Clubs like Brecon, and in that I basically just mean any part-time club, um, really should have been thinking about making it easier to come back up. Because if you're Brecon and you get stuck in the Highland League, say Cove, say Kelty come up this year. So you've got Brewer there, mm-hmm. you're never outspending them. But it's not just that. You don't need to just come finish above Brora. You'll then be playing against an East Kilbride, a Bonnie Rig, an Auchinleck, who are spending more money than you are, you need to beat them. And then you need to beat uh, the club that finishes bottom of the league. Now, any part-time club in Scotland can find themselves down at the bottom of the league too because we've all been there at some point. Yeah. And we really need to, I think we really need to look at making it easier to get back in because it's fair enough saying, thinking that, oh, it's really hard to get relegated and we'll never get relegated. But if you do get relegated, um, it could be very tough, if not impossible, to get back. I, I think that's a, I actually think that's a great point. I mean, I think you, you shouldn't be in a position where, and I'm not saying Brecon are an iconic team, but in my lifetime of Sport East Fife, they're certainly an absolute mainstay of successful lower league part-time teams you're potentially just closing them out. I mean, literally, because like Gordon's saying, it isn't a case of just winning your league. It's a case of winning your league, then beating the league leaders of a very good league, and then beating an established actual league side. So, I mean, the chances of actually going up are tiny. Like, really, they're very, very small. And I I just wonder whether whether the playoff system, although we all agree, you know, having some form of period, Pyramid, period. Just <laughs> trademark. Um, exactly. Having a wee pyramid is is fantastic. We're all we're all in agreement with that. There's no doubt about it. But it's pretty. Uh, it's pretty indefinite for some teams. I mean, it's not it's not great in many ways. Well, and we could be one of those teams. <laughs> look at East Stirling and Berwick. It's like they don't look anywhere near that they'll ever come up again. And I, I love my English non-league football, and they had to change it so that it ended up being two teams down, two up, and a whole bunch of playoffs things just to give teams a chance to get back. And you look at the, the National League table at the moment, I think seven of the top eight, it's all ex-league clubs, and only two of them can go up. And it looks like the one that might win it is Sutton United, who's not an ex-league club. So then you've got all these other league clubs and only one of them is going to get the chance to go back in. Then you look at the bottom of that and like Barnett's at the bottom. They've been a league club for years and now like all these teams just go through this down in England and it can certainly happen here because I can't see Berwick and East Stirling getting back in the Scottish League unless they get a sugar daddy coming in that's going to bankroll them. And you talk about Berwick being a kind of successful part-time club. I mean, East Stirlingshire were terrible for years. Yeah. But apart from the kind of maybe last 
three or four years before they went down. Berwick were always a very decent club as well. And they were more more in League One than they were League Two. And if they went down to League Two, they tended to kind of challenge to come back up. So they were a really solid part-time club as well. And it just shows you what's happened. Um, but I mean, the, the pyramid's great and clubs should be able to either come up to find a level or go down to find a level. But I mean, if you look at it, the, that bottleneck between the Highland and the Lowland in League Two is so tough. I mean, if you win your league, you then have a 25% chance of getting promoted because you've got to win two games. So wh- whether they need to kind of increase the size of League Two and then, you know, make it that Highland League and Lowland League champions get promoted, I'd be up for that because that, you know, that seems fair and it gives clubs who go down, you know, you know you've got a decent shot at coming back up. I think as well, though, it, it forces clubs to have ambition. You, you can't be just an East Sterling that's happy just to turn up every week and just play some games. And OK, I finished bottom. Ah, well, there's, there's next season. So clubs now have to be ambitious. Getting it back to any kind of East Fife perspective, two bad seasons and we could be in trouble. That's basically how it works. But also you don't want to fall out of League One because you're going to then have in League Two all these ambitious teams, big spending teams. You've seen it with Queen's Park. You're going to see it with whoever ends up coming up between Kelty and Brora. Um, Edinburgh City's shown some ambition. So you've got these ambitious teams as well that's going to want to come up. So any team dropping out, there's no guarantee you even get back to what our level is. So I, I, I guess we've had a season of stability again. That's the plus side. You do want to see some progression though. And it's arguable whether we've seen progression this year. Have we seen regression or have we we just stayed the same? I mean, I would say we've... we've, If you look at it, we've probably stayed roughly the same. I mean, there's some areas you could say that we've maybe improved in, some areas that we've gone back in, but overall it feels like were roughly the same. I mean, I was looking at it. I, I, I like to look at it in quarters and how many points you pick up each quarter. And I think Dan Young spoke about this as well. But if you want to make playoffs, the the target's 15 points a quarter. And I think this season we got 13 in the first, 14 in the second. So, you know, we're just off that. And that's roughly what we were last season as well. So mm. it, feel, it feels like we've stood pretty still. Yeah. But then again, you know, we didn't we didn't we didn't change the squad too much. You know, we lost a couple, we brought a couple in. So it's, it's not really surprising, don't think. Yeah, I mean, how do you how are you feeling about it, Doug? Do you think we we're just basically a year down the road? We're where we are. Have we gone backwards a bit? Have you seen anything that makes you think? Oh, we've definitely advanced the club this year. Look, I, I mean, I, I think I would say we're teetering. <laughs> um, we're kind of in that sort of little position where we're kind of the best of the rest in terms of you know if you like you know I've said it several times on the pod over the last sort of few months I think we're where we should be in terms of the Scottish pyramid I don't think there's I don't you know maybe maybe one place more maybe two um, I don't think you could. I don't think we've got to 
divine right to be above full-time teams at all, anyone. I mean, I think we've actually benefited from Partick having that real lull from getting relegated in the sort of circumstances that they did, and it's taken them a long time to get going. They've now absolutely turned up. Yeah. Um, and look, not stick on favourites, but not a million miles away now. You've got Falkirk, who have just recruited dreadfully on the playing front and specifically in the manager situation. Obviously, they've just been sacked in the week, but I think we talked about it. Guys like Dowds and stuff, for me, at full time are nowhere near where they need to be to, to win, the, you know, to win the league. So we've actually we've come up against some big, big teams who are in a wee bit of turmoil, but they would still, I would still bank on them to finish above us. Really, I just don't think we can judge anything on the season. I really don't. I think again, like we talked about, the emotions were high, but this season's been mental, absolutely mental. I mean, you've, you you saw it in the last 10 minutes of the game against Airdrie, you've got two guys pulled up a hamstring. First 10 minutes of this game, we had, you know, Blattery went, you had Donson, you thought was gone. It, it's just, I just don't think you can judge it. And I think the problem we've got, it's very easy to say, right, we need a change. And and I get, I look, we all said, if we don't get the top half, we're not necessarily going to agree with it, but we'll get when people start going, maybe it's time for a change. We'll get it. You know, I, I don't agree with it now. You know, I, I absolutely don't. But I get it. Like, I, I wouldn't, you know. But we've got to be very careful. And the board would be so brave, so brave to make a change, I, I think. Because, like we've just talked about, one wrong decision, you know, the fans could say, right, let's get this guy in. Oh, totally. We get him in. It doesn't work you get stuck into that sort of relegation side of it. If you go down, you're 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 that one season away from East Five Football Club, as we know it, being completely finished. So they're in such a difficult position. And that's why for me it, I think you've got to you've got to go with Darren and Tony again. You have to. Absolutely have to. Because you know, we've in some people's eyes we've had a bad season and that's been stability. I mean, we're comfortably better than the guys below us, I think. So, yeah, it's that next step, which we talk about all the time, but it's a difficult next step, really, really difficult next step. So I think it's it's take stock, you know, try and rotate a few players in the in the summer, go again and, and just hope you can sneak into that top four. But, but even if we sneak into the top four, we're very unlikely to go up in the playoffs. We really are, so it's... It's really difficult. It's really difficult. I mean, the, I the thing with me, like, even if, if we were to have gone up this season, we would have struggled like hell next season. It's like, I I don't doubt that for a minute, but that that's a whole aside. I've gone back and forth since Tuesday quite a bit as to, to what I think in this. I have calmed down a bit, but at the same time, I was quite raging after hearing Darren Young's post-game interview because it didn't seem to me that he took any responsibility for that. He was just looking for other things to blame it on. This, the, the fixture list, all the congested games coming in, injuries, players not being available for work. Now, there's there's truth in a, in a lot of what he said, but I don't think that was what the fans wanted to hear at that specific moment. I think they needed to 
to say, I put my hands up, that there were some mistakes made along the way, or some of the players weren't good enough, or I just think we needed a little bit more raw honesty. At the same time, the danger of doing that is you're either throwing yourself under the bus or your squad, there's still four games to go, would they then be playing for you if you threw them under the bus? But ultimately, the players didn't step up when they needed to on Tuesday night and some of the other games. Some of his tactical and game management decisions has been terrible over the last couple of weeks. I would just have liked to have seen a little bit more accountability post-game. Yeah, I, I I didn't listen to 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 the interview. I kind of um, after Tuesday, I was a bit like, you know, I'm not I'm not kind of dwelling on this. Um, that that was I, a good idea because I I literally was raging. I I agree with what you say. I, I mean, I seen a bit of a clip. I seen people saying similar things, and I think for me, I do agree. I think I don't necessarily want to see him coming out and doing a big full Billy Brown and just turning to players and saying we're no good enough. Um, that's an emotional reaction as well but I think for me he's in the same position we are after Tuesday and that it's it's raw he's disappointed now he probably is looking at the the way the fixtures went and thinking I'm already having I'm already competing here with mostly full-time teams who have a bigger budget than I do and this has given them a big advantage so he probably feels a bit aggrieved over that you know, guys not being able to play because they're working or guys picking up injuries, you know, that's going to be frustrating for him. And then right in that moment where, you know, he is going to be as disappointed as we are that they didn't get it. So I, I can kind of forgive, you know. I, and on the one hand, I'm not going to say, you know, forgive us for all kind of going mental and saying some pretty sort of reactionary things. Oh, it's just like we'd gone upstairs to the the bar after the game though, because that's what it would have been like. We'd all have been sitting in the pub just having that exact same discussion. I mean, I think... Gordon, is it it fair to say that that League One's never been more difficult than it was this season? I would say so, yeah. I mean, Mm -hmm. because, you know, just even looking at it, I think this is the most full-time teams that you've had. I mean, I don't know whether Cove are full-time or not, but... I think they're a hybrid. If they're not full-time, they're going to be like us and having a number of highly paid players that are... Yeah, I mean, they've certainly got a a, a budget above the sort of League One average. So you've got two fully full-time teams who are traditionally quite big clubs, Falkirk and Partick. I mean, Mm. sometimes you have like a, you know, an Air or a Wraith or something like that who are a bit smaller. You've got Falkirk and Partick you got Airdrie who are hybrid, you got Cove who are hybrid and spending money. It makes it very tough to get that top four. Um, and I don't think uh, clubs like, you know, we know Montrose are a good team. I don't think Peterhead or Dumbarton, they're no mugs, they're no crap, they're no, they're no really crap teams. Um, you know, even Clyde on their day are not a bad team. Um, so I think it's, it's been a very tough league, tougher than a lot of other ones. You go back, five, six years, I think this League One is a lot tougher. Michael, do you, do you think, I heard, I read a lot of fans saying that the club lacks ambition. What, what's your take on that? See, I, I, I don't I think it is. I, I think the board have shown ambition when you look at who, who they've brought in. It's like, Going to get a Jack Hamilton. Yeah, he left, but he left because he had been a great addition and was doing well. So the recruitment side of that was obviously great. 
I, I think when you've brought in someone like Danny Swanson, that shows ambition. The fact that we've got the likes of like Higgins and Smith staying with us, I think that shows ambition. They're they're quality guys that that could go and play at, for better teams than us potentially. I I think the board have shown ambition in the past. I would have said yeah, we've not shown ambition, but I don't think you can at all say that this year. It's down to either the players not performing to their levels or being burnt out or Young's mismanagement of the squad or, or games. But really, it's a combination of all of that. I mean, too often, I think ambition is basically a euphemism for either spending money you don't have, which is ridiculous and they should never mm-hmm. do it, or just making reactionary decisions all the time. Like you saw it with, I mean, it's going back a bit, but you saw it with Dundee. They used to just change managers all the time. You know, they were spending money and just like, all right, we've got promoted, but we'll just get rid of this guy. We'll just bring in someone else and gamble that he's better. To me, that's, you know, too often that's what folk mean when they say ambition. Mm-hmm. And we shouldn't be doing either of those things. I think we have shown ambition. I think the change in the club over the past five, six years has been really positive, And that is with a view to instead of us being a kind of crap League One team that maybe goes down into League Two, it's been with a view of kind of establishing us as one of the the best part-time teams in the country. And that, that is ambition. What, what, what do you think, Doug? Like, do you... I, I was surprised when I read some of those comments as well because I, I just... I don't think you can level that at the board this year. Yeah, I, I mean, absolutely not. I, it's so difficult because I think... Wraith Rovers probably haven't helped us this year. Um, you know, they've gone up and absolutely stormed it, you know. But again, very wily manager and some good signings. And it's it's not that difficult, I suppose. But where we are, I, I agree with Gordon. Compared to where we were under Lee Murray, I mean, the the community feel about the club is, is fantastic. It really yeah. is. I mean, you've got... You've got a board, okay, apart from owner, who's a child, or probably about 43 now. <laughs> I know. Um, I don't think it's 12-year-old anymore. <laughs> no, we'll just keep going with that. It sounds better. Yeah. Um, you, you've she's got a, a grandma. Are, yeah, she's from Dundee. You've got a board that are predominantly East Fife fans and East Fife people, which which you can't disagree, you know, you can't disagree with. We don't have a massive money person putting money into the club. So being able to put some of the wages out that we're doing, it, it's sort of good stewardship. It's, it's, you know, they obviously know what they're doing. And, you know, I'm I'm actually lucky enough to be a shareholder, and I say that because it got passed down from when my dad passed away. But, you know, looking at the accounts and stuff like that, I mean, we're, we are pretty well run. Mm-hmm. I mean, which which is very, very unusual in this climate in lower league Scottish football. I mean, I'd be very surprised if there's that many that are doing so relatively well. But I think people look at the whole ambition thing and they hark back to when we built the stadium and they wanted a two-stand affair and they wanted harassing and and that keeps coming up. and, And I get that because it is soulless at Bayview. But the flip side is you'd never fill it. And you'd just be wasting money on stewards and wasting money on this and that. So the setup's there to grow. 
So if you did become a much better, you know, team, you could you can get a stand on the other side. You could do all that if if it got to that stage. But we're a part-time team who are unlikely to turn full-time anytime in possibly my lifetime. I generally would be surprised if it is. So it's I don't know. I I, I don't know. I sometimes just wonder what where people think we should be, and I, and I, I like the ambition of fans but it's based purely on heart and no knowledge of how to run a football club and yeah. what to do for the best. So. Yeah, you could understand it, like, if you'd grown up watching the team in the 40s and the 50s. Like, fans in the 60s, if they were like, we should be in the top league of Scottish football, that's where we belong. Yeah. Even maybe fans in the late 70s, it's like, well, we were, we were in the top flight just not that long ago. But from the 80s, anyone that's watched the team in the 80s, the 90s, into the 2000s, this is kind of some of the highest level that, that we've been at in, in my time of watching it. Cause there's, I, only I, two, there's only two clubs, I reckon, at the moment that are punching above their weight and one of them's just been relegated. Yeah. Like, really? You, you know what I mean? I, our both are definitely punching above their weight. And I talked about in my rant about Dick Campbell. Not, I'm obviously, I'm a big fan. Um but there's nobody else. I mean, there's no real ground breakers out of, you know, n- out of nowhere. If we finish mid-table in the Championship next season, every single football fan in Scotland will be like, bloody hell, that's unbelievable. East Fife are in mid-table in the Championship. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, every other one would. But we, for some reason, and a lot of our fans think, that's where, I, th- I think that's where they think we should be. And again, I do almost think it's, it's that race over thing because, you know, because we've beaten them a couple of times recently and they've gone up and they're doing so well. It's, But that's the... Five football is now in its, in its kind of order it should be, really. But that that's, that's the thing when your rivals do well. And I, we've got it here in Vancouver because we've been like a bomb scare for years. And our, our rivals, because they're like two and a half and seven hours away, are Seattle and Portland. And 2015 onwards... Last year was the only MLS Cup final that one of those teams didn't get in it. Seattle's won it a couple of times. Portland's won it a couple of times. We struggle to make the playoffs. So you're looking at that going, why can't we be like them? And that's just the nature of football. The danger is, like, we could go out, make a big splash, bring in a big-name player. And, like, Danny Swanson's probably a, a great example. An injury, played season... All that money's kind of been pretty useless. But we could have gone and brought a big splash, like signed an actual Jack Hamilton. He gets injured, and then you're like, crap, we've spent all our money in this one player. What are we going to do now? That That's the risk with doing that. I, I think Thistle should... I, I think they're locks now to, to win the title. They should be going up. You then look at who's going to be around next year. Now, obviously, Falkirk will be big favourites. Queen's Park's got to be in the mix. There's going to be other teams, though, licking their chops off. Oh, if we just spend a little bit more money, like Cove or Airdrie, they'll really fancy their chances of, of then going up next season. So it's how we compete with that. And I think that is then maybe how you could judge the club on ambition. Because if our rivals go out and spend money because there's a realistic chance that they, they could go up. Do we have to do the same? Or do we just keep plodding along? Or do you wait or do you wait for the season to make the call? 
So you look at the, the, the teams coming through and you go, right, let's say next season Falkirk go up and maybe Cove sneak through the playoffs. You maybe have our growth come down. You've got uh, Maybe that's the season you go, right, if we're going to make a genuine go at this, then let's do it now. Mm. It's very risky to throw money at a possibility as opposed to a probability. And yeah, I, I, I mean, just, yeah. I mean, Queen's Park, they're fully full-time. They will yeah. have one of the biggest budgets. So you're looking at next season, and let's say that things kind of, you know, in terms of big clubs not being in our league, you could say, what if Partick and Falkirk get promoted, Arbroath and Aloha come down, um, you know, Queen's Park will, will replace Forfar, and then, oh, to be honest, it probably doesn't really matter with the others. There's much of a muchness, but you're looking at, um, you know, Queen's Park will have, in that league, Queen's Park would have by far the biggest budget. It'd be fully full time. Uh, Cove, you know, then have Cove and Airdrie, who almost certainly will be spending more money than us, will be, at least be partly full time. And then I, I suppose you're looking at everyone else saying, well, there's no reason why we can't finish above everyone else. But, you know, how much money would we have to spend before. I mean, if you're looking at playoffs, yeah, you might say, oh, you know, maybe signing, pushing the boat out to sign one or two players really might get us in that playoff, which we might not get promoted from. But to to sort of really give yourself a significant chance of winning the league through your budget, you're going to have to be approaching spending what Queen's Park do, which, you know, we cannot do. We cannot do. They have, they have basically been just given a blank check by a what, millionaire, billionaire maybe. Um, and the suggestion is that they spent about a million pounds to win League 2. Wow, I didn't know that. They, can, you know, they will go and spend more to win League 1. I mean, they, they got like four or five million from selling Hamlet or Roughly, they, got, of course, they yeah. got they got five million for. I was looking a bit into this. They got five million for selling Hamden. I think they're probably going to spend about three and a half of that on redeveloping Lesser Hamden. But it's not just that. It's it's this guy Willie Hoy. He's basically just saying, "Oh, for like ten years, I'm just going to give you a shitload of money." Yeah. Um, and I think ev- every year he just he's just going to sign a blank check. So for ten years, they're going to be full time. Spending way more money than they're bringing in. Yeah, and they'll be pushing for. They'll be pushing for Premier League in, in five six years. I think. What yeah. what I would like to ask of all the listeners out there, let's try and get a real discussion going online in this next few days about about where we want to be and where you see the club going. But let's not make it petty and say, right, let's get rid of him. Let's get rid of him. Let's be. Let's get our thinking caps on. I just want to canvas where people think we should be. And in terms of, right, if you don't think the board's ambitious, that's fine. But where do they need to be more ambitious? In what area? Not it, That's such a wide statement. It needs to be specifically right. We need to be more ambitious in wages, which I think they are at the moment. We need to be more ambitious in stadium, anything. Just let's get a discussion going. Let's try and keep personal attacks on each other to a bare minimum. Uh, uh, I'll not threaten anyone. Let's just try and get a, a just a wee discussion going because it would be interesting because we all have the exact same end goal. Everyone has the same end goal. We all want East Five to be as well run as high up the league ladders as is possible. But how do we do that? You know, 
using a little bit of brains and not cliches or you know let, let's let's try and get that going as much as we can this yeah keep, so yeah. like whether on facebook whether on pie and bovrol like get in touch with us on twitter at glory days of gold if you want to shoot us any emails glory days of gold at gmail.com or you can get me at aft in canada at hotmail.com yeah we'll, we'll continue this discussion on the next show going back to one of the questions that i asked about half an hour ago now i, I liked how this is just kind of we had no plans for the show today we just thought we'll we'll just talk we'll go where it goes and i've enjoyed this discussion but i'm totally on the fence about darren young if he goes okay fair enough it, i think it is time for a change uh, i'm probably just erring a little bit that maybe some freshness coming in would be good both on the playing side and the managerial side if if he stays also good stability but he has to show improvement and that he's learned as well as a coach in the first five six months half half of the season the the reaction after tuesday online obviously wasn't good online's not a great place to canvas opinions at the best of times i mean the sirens were screaming, the fires were howling way down in the valley tonight. There was a man in the shadow with a glint in his eye and a blade shining oh so bright. There was evil in the air, there's thunder in the sky. It was like a killer on the bloodshot streets. But down in the tunnels where the deadly were rising, I swear I saw a young boy down in the gutter. He was starting to foam in the heat, but he came good today. And we'll talk about that as we get on to today's game. For anyone that didn't know, that was my tribute to Jim Steinman. Absolute classic singer-songwriter. I'm of the age where Bat Out of Hell was like massive when I was just finishing primary school. And it was like one of the first big, big albums, I guess, of my childhood. So I was going to play some some music from it, but that does instead. But that, that is bringing me to today's game. We're not going to delve into it too much. But there were a, a couple of young guns that did... Doug's got his big notebook out for today's game. Main reason I'm not delving into it is I wasn't going to watch any of the game today, but I happened to wake up at eight o'clock my time and I was like, ah, oh, fuck it. He's well watched the second half since I have it to watch now. Uh, I actually enjoyed the, the second half. Um, but, I mean, it, it was a win. Lots of pluses to take from it. We're staying up. We are staying up. Say, we are staying up. So we've definitely got that. Uh, we're now up to fourth back in the playoff places. If we just look at points, which I feel, I mean, it's a fucking joke, man. Totally is. That's just a little in-joke for for our guys. But talk me through the game, especially the first half, since I didn't see it. Uh, it's... It was, was it a comfortable win? I mean, from what I saw in the second half, Dumbarton looked as pish as they did when they beat us, which is annoying. Um, I would say it was pretty comfortable. Um, we let in a silly goal again. Um, if it wasn't for that, I think it would have been pretty comfortable. It, was, it felt like quite an open game at times, Dumbarton. You know, they did manage to get forward. They did have a few chances, but I felt like we comfortably looked like the better side. I mean, they they struggled to score goals, and you can really see that when you watch them. Um, but it, it did it did feel like a kind of very comfortable pressures off, good performance, and 
you know, I was thinking about three two ones, and again, it's one of these weeks where it's quite difficult because I think you could make a decent argument for probably most of the team being in there. Um, but no, we, we played quite well. We made quite a few changes, so I thought it was quite encouraging. What's your overall take of a hen dog? Yeah, I mean, much the same. Do you know what? I'm sure I'll say on behalf of all the fans, it was very hard to get up for that game today. Uh, you know, as fans, and I could imagine as players. So, in fairness, if we're given absolute credit, you know, good on them for for doing that. Because I thought in the main we were we were actually pretty good. I thought there was some some really good performances. Um, you know, guys, I actually decided to spend the game watching Davidson, Spence and Bunsmore. I don't know why. I just, I think, I guess maybe they were names on my list of are they staying, are they going kind of people. Yeah. Um, but I thought um, Dick Steele at right back was excellent. Very, very good. Um, Dick Steele? I don't know. I don't know why I thought that. Dick Steele. Oh, Aaron Steele. Is it not from something? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's just a I think that's just your. I think that's just your your own private name for your little chap. But that's yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Dick of Steel. Yeah. Um, I, I thought Fenton, Jesus Christ. Um, <laughs> and we almost had that moment in the oh, second half. I know. I know. I, I, do you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna be honest to the listeners now, and say that <laughs> you know, glory days of golds, Gordon Henderson and Doug Berry both. Kind of thought it'd be quite funny if that ended up as a goal, just because you know when when you, when the guy stands on the ball, the only thing you could really have said was Jesus Christ. So. Yeah, I I actually pictured Lee sitting, he'll be watching that, going, "Oh Jesus Christ, Fenton," and then yeah. realise what he's actually said and going, "Oh." <laughs> but I, I thought he, I thought he was he was in the main pretty good. A few of them kind of faded in the second half. I thought Swanson was excellent in the first half, drifted a wee bit. Mm. Um. Yeah, do you know, it was, it was quite, refer- and it was so nice to see Aaron Dunsmore running forward. I mean, it's like, literally, I wrote down, it was almost like he got let off the leash after 15 minutes. Because the first 15 minutes, it was that, it was that same Dunsmore of this season where you're just like, what's this guy giving us? Compared to what he was, you know, last season, he was, the season before, it was like dynamite going up that line. And then suddenly, he was like a different player. And, you know, the goal was fantastic. The great move, Swanson instrumental into, I think it was Davidson maybe that played the through ball and it was a great finish. I'd like to see again, but it was a hell of a finish from Dunsmore, whether the keeper was maybe questionable, I don't know. But no, I just thought it was good because that would have been really hard for the players to get up for that. Tiredness. Oh yeah. uh, You know, almost an unnecessary game in many ways. And the only thing you were playing for was the unbeaten home record. Really, um, so so yeah, good on them. Because I mean, we, we were we were never realistically getting sucked into the relegation playoffs. I think mathematically it was almost impossible with everyone playing each other to to begin with. But I mean, you're playing for pride. I would not be surprised if Darren Young, after the game, says, "I wanted a reaction from the guys today. I wanted to show that they were hurting and they wanted pride, and I got that." And he, he probably did, but I, I think it was more, there's guys that were out there today that they're, they're not necessarily playing for a place here next season because some of them have got contracts, 
but you're maybe playing to show I've got the fight that I should be starting in this team. And you're thinking like Newton, Watt. Like I was happy to see their their names in the in the starting lineup. I would just have like a whole midfielder, Liam's. That would just be a gets talked about, just like how Ross County had all their goalkeepers called Ross a season or so ago. Um, but it, it was good. The second goal, like you talk about Davidson there. Now he was obviously one of the guys that was missing on, on Tuesday. He was missing on Tuesday, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. He was missing on Tuesday. And we talked about he'd had an up and down season with him missing. I wasn't that that plussed really on, on Tuesday about it. But today, he was excellent. That was one of his best games this year. That ball he sent in for the second goal, that was lovely. Delighted as well for, for the finish. It's like when you get your opportunity to to kind of do something on that pitch for the first time as Aaron Steele did and then to get a goal on your your basic debut it was great to see but that that ball in from Davidson I didn't see the first goal but if he had a hand in that as well then that's what you're needing from him Yeah I think you're right and I can imagine whether Dan Young said it or not that the the situation for a lot of players is you know, these last four games, it is maybe a bit, okay, the pressure's kind of off now, so here's a chance to go out. Maybe if you've not been playing much or you've not been playing too well, kind of go out and show that you deserve you deserve to be here next year, you deserve a spot on the team. And I think Davidson, um, you know, he's played most of the games this season, but we've all agreed he maybe wasn't as good as he, he has been. He was excellent today. Uh Aaron Dunsmore hasn't been playing very much. I thought he was excellent today. Uh, and it did make a difference. I, I, I thought it, it's sometimes difficult to see on the, the stream, but I thought we were playing a sort of 4 4 2 where um, Spence up front, Swanson off him, and then uh, Dunsmore and Watt wide right and wide left. And I think that suits Dunsmore better. He's either he's kind of been shoehorned into the, the right of a front three or he's been played at right back. And I think part of it might be that just suits him better, but he was brilliant today. Um, you know, there was a couple, you know, like you say, Aaron Steele came in, did really well. Um, you know, there was a lot of, a lot, of, a, f- a few performances like that where like, I'm, I'm glad, you know, I really wanted Davidson to have a good game. I really wanted Dunsmore to have a good game. I wanted them to kind of show that they're better than, maybe we've seen for a lot of this season. Um, the so that, the that interesting really... thing for me, though, was I, I genuinely don't know if this was Darren Young wanting to change things up or we only had five subs on the bench. Was this just a case of I don't have anyone else available, I can't rely on the guys I've put out all season, this is all I can put out on the pitch? I, I, I can only assume it's all we had. I, I think he'd said in the post-match interview against Deirdre, which I will say, although, you know, there was bits that were infuriating, he did say it was the worst he's felt after a yes. game which, which was... I, I like that. Something. Yeah, something. Yeah, I, I like him yeah. to feel bad, obviously. I'm a horrible person. But yeah, no, I, I liked, yeah. liked that he was hurting as much as us, so that was good. And, I, and, I, and that's about my He absolutely will be. Um, I, I think Wallace was injured, Higgins was injured, um, Murdoch... He's still, still working. working. Yeah. <laughs> He's a very busy man. It's a long shift. 
Is he a Chilean miner? <laughs> I don't know. We can shout down right. some holes right. and see we if he's to, still there. Yeah, we need, we need to get that checked. Let's uh, hashtag uh, save Stuart Murdoch. Um, going back to Ross Davidson, he was another one under dog watch today. What a shame. Such pressure on a young man's shoulders. And I wrote down that every single time he tries the absolutely correct pass, but quite often he doesn't connect said correct pass. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I think, like today, in the first half, there was three or four like really bad passes that, that got intercepted. But it was absolutely the right ball. He just didn't play it very well. But I, I like, I kind of like that, though. There's, there's something about, like I said about Agnew two or three weeks ago, in the fact that he's not playing well, but he's still wanting to get on the ball. And there's something, I just think that shows like total character in a player. Because he, he'll know he's in there by a bit of stick and he's, he's not playing well. But he still wants to get on the ball and still wants to do the right thing. And I thought, yeah, I mean, to, to then set up two was, was, was brilliant. It was great. And exactly as Gordon said, Dunsmore's another that, like on Tuesday night, he was, oh, was he top of my list to go? He was certainly up in the top three of players that I might write, he's done. But that's the performance that we know of him two years ago and you go, that's what, you wanted to see, and you can't, you can't really blame him for that. He's maybe, I don't, I don't think he's overly had the opportunity in the right position, as Gordon says. So it, it's so difficult. But what we cannot do, and what we did last season, is we all get that same thought of going, ah, oh, he's all right though. We'll keep him for another season. We need to make ruthless decisions this year, which we generally do. Well, but that that's that's it, Gordon. It's like these these guys out there that are playing to be here <coughs> next season. And like we've nothing really to, to play for. Being unbeaten at home would be a nice start, but ultimately it, it means fuck all. There's three games. Well, I mean, it does. It's like we have to improve this away form. Like that's something I want us to see in these last two games. We've already won at Clyde. We've already won at Forfar. So it's like that's that's two of the games that, that's left. It's... These three games are going to be tough to watch. I can't see... We were talking a little bit about this before we were recording. I can't see many East Fife fans shelling out money for the away streams from these last three games. But what do you want to see from these three games? Do you want to just... We we know we're safe. Do you just want him to try different things? Do you want to use this as like a pre-season almost and just try some things, see what guys can do, stuff like that? Uh, to an extent, yeah. I mean, I think whether it was enforced or whether he did just want to try something different, I did quite like... I mean, oh, we, we mentioned football uh, films there, and I don't want to be on Mike Bassett, but I do like 4-4-2. I think, I think we, the players we have suit 4-4-2, and we played best last season doing that. We also it's went packed. back to that. And there was things like um we mentioned Swanson and he was playing a bit more further forward. Mm. You know, I think you release him of some of the more defensive responsibility. Um and Swanson's been getting better every single week and maybe that's just fitness. Maybe that's we can just use these games as a start to his preseason. Yeah, give him a big run up to next season. Um, but there was encouraging things, and 
you know, I want to see us playing the same way in the next three games because we can end the season. Okay, it's been disappointing, and we could kind of, you know, limp towards the end. A few bad performances. Everyone's really kind of uh, uh, apathetic about it, or you know, we could go out with a bit of a bang. Um, and, and half you know, the second most points in the league table. Yeah, you know, let's let's um, let's our target should be to to get the second most points. Let's go and get more points than Falkirk. Um, oh. but, what, what, Gordon, you you know, probably the wisest man of the three of us. No, I mean, not hard, Michael. No offense. What, what's the yeah. deal with your Kyle Bell's, Josh McConville's, um, etc.? So I know they were obviously on loan at teams. Yeah. What? what What's happened there? Because if you're ever going to have games where you go, right, are these guys good enough? Then surely these would be the ones. And I'm I'm not suggesting that they're not being picked for any other reason than maybe they're not allowed to be. I don't know. I don't know. So, I generally don't know. I, so, I mean, I, I've, I've not heard anything. So, obviously, like, no. Kyle Bell was away at Bonus, and now they've not been playing. But I would assume, with only five subs today, if somebody like Kyle Bell was fit, and able to play for us, he would have been on the bench. So I can only assume that, mm-hmm. you know, maybe it's something to do with if you're going to be allowed to train and play with the COVID restrictions, maybe it's got to be like some kind of named squad and maybe he's still with Bonnet or something like that. But oh, maybe. Maybe it's something to do one. with their bubble or something. It could be something like that. Or maybe, you know... We'll try and find out for, for the next show. Yeah. That can be Lee's task. You can get in touch with Tony. It would be a shame... Yeah, I, I agree with you. If they were available, there's no way you'd have five subs. Um, mm. But, yeah, should we do three two ones? And Yeah, I, I can't, I genuinely can't do it unless I just base it on the second half. So, like, you two guys go. Right, I'll go first this thing, Gordon, because people will think I copy you. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go one point to Aaron Dunsmore. Um, just nice to see. Aaron Dunsmore back to being some form of himself, I would say, uh, has been discussed. Uh, two, I'm going to go for Danny Swanson. I thought first half especially, I thought he was very good. And like I said a couple of weeks ago, he had that little bit of swagger about him in the in the, the first half, you know, where he was like, I'm definitely the best player on this pitch. And he was. And he kind of showed it. And I, I liked that about him. He, he, for me, he faded pretty badly in the second half. I don't remember him really getting overly involved bar a couple of flashes, but definitely one if we can just get him properly fit could be the best player in the league, which is maybe a bold shout. Especially when last week... <laughs> anyway, we'll come back to that. What bloody waste of money? Get him off! Um, three points. I'm going to give three points to Aaron Steele. I thought... His first, as far as we know, his first ever senior game of football, he has scored a goal which was a really nice finish on, on his left foot. I don't know if his left foot, and it might have been his right foot. Who knows? Great finish for the goal. I thought defensively he was really good. He put in one absolute busting tackle in the second half, just after they'd scored, I think, which uh, rendered the Dumbarton player sort of on the turf and writhing in agony. But it was beautiful, old school, like... I'm getting the ball, but I'm absolutely wiping you out. I just thought, I just thought he looked good. There's someone, yeah, for a guy that's not had a chance at all until now. I thought 
he can be extremely, extremely proud for a kid of that age for his, his senior debut to get Doug Perry's three points. What about you, Gordon? Who who have you got? We were quite close to being the same again, but a oh. bit out. Um, one point to Aaron Dunsmore, yeah, pretty much the same. It was just like, you know, Dan, Aaron Dunsmore, old, um, took his goal really well. Good to see because he's a player I really like. To be honest, I think every every East Fife player, uh, every East Fife fan loves Aaron Dunsmore, even if it's only for that goal against the Rovers. So that was good. Uh, two points to Danny Swanson. Again, first half, excellent. Did fade a bit. I mean, I don't know if he's maybe he's not up to 100% fitness. He may, may be the sort of thing where we, we look to get 70 or 80 minutes out of him for now, but first half in particular, excellent. Ross Davidson. You're going to say Ross Davidson? I'm going to say Ross Davidson for three points. Um, totally forgot about him. Sorry, Ross. Totally <laughs> forgot about you. Um, how, how I can not give him any points is actually inexcusable. I'm not going to change it. It's too late to change it. So all I can do is apologise. Carry on, Gordon. Sorry. Uh, aye, two assists. Um, I, actually, what Doug just said about him five minutes ago, I was thinking that during the game, that he is a player that um, sometimes it doesn't come off for him, but he never stops trying. He, you know, he's a player, you know, he, he doesn't, his head doesn't drop. He doesn't, you, you never, it never looks like he thinks, he makes a bad pass and then he doesn't try another pass. He always keeps trying. Um, and today he was excellent. Um, just, you know, a real engine in the middle of the park. Created the two goals and that was fantastic to see as well. And I thought Aaron Steele, he was potentially the one that just missed out. Um, he looked like, I think particularly with defenders, I always get this thing of, you know, if it's your first senior game, I always think it's it's very understandable and it's expected that you might look a bit like a deer in the headlights sometime. But he looked like a much more experienced player. I thought he had a great game. Uh, he took his goal well. And it's a pity he's not our player. I think St. Johnson have potentially got a bit of a player on their hands. But well, there's a good chance we might have him for next year. It, it would it yeah, would be yeah, great yeah. to get him back next the, season, the, yeah. The Super Jays are not shy on a good defender. Uh, that's for sure. Mm. I think they were actually talking about that, that, that their three centre-halves are all being touted for big moves this summer, apparently, including our own Jason Kerr. We still claim him as our own. Yeah, yeah, he is. I mean, my, my 3-2-1 just in the second half was Davidson 3, Steele 2, and I gave Jordan Hart 1, just because he's very reliable, and it's such a good... For us, we've got two good keepers, and I, yeah. I don't know how you go forward with that if they're both happy, because you've got to think... Hart feels he should be playing more games, and he's—you've got to think he feels he can go and be a starter somewhere. I think I think it's, it, yeah, it's almost odd to have two very good keepers at a part-time club for that very reason. Um, I think when we discussed a few weeks ago about right, name the five players you would keep, and I think quite a lot of people said Brett Long, and I didn't, and I think that was mainly why because I was like, well, we don't need two great goalkeepers. I, I generally think we do. I think Hartley's been called on this year. Called upon's been very good. And you can hear us communicating and that was a, a big thing that Darren Young talked about, the difference between him and Brett in terms of you know, he, he's a he's a screamer in goals. He, he's he certainly wouldn't let the back 
back four get away, away with anything. I will quickly say one more thing about the game, if I may. Certainly. Um, I thought the goal we conceded was everything Dan Young's been talking about all season. Just an absolute idiotic moment in completely ludicrous place on the pitch. I don't know what Craig Watson was trying to do. Just slide it and hoof it anywhere. Like anywhere. He was trying to cushion it back to the goalie. And that, that, they're the sort of decisions from defenders, especially that managers just must go, like, ah, what's the point? I think, I think he was composing his next tweet in his head at the time and he just wasn't concentrating. Again, again, we've talked about he's been very, very, very good this year. Very good this year. But don't do things like that because it's weird. There was a couple that, of slips. You might as well give them a penalty. You might as yeah. well give them another penalty. But there was a couple of slips in our box in that second half. I don't know if they had just watered it too much at half time or something, but... It seemed there was a few guys slipping around, which is risky, obviously, at, at that place of the pitch. Yeah, you're right. I even I think even yeah. in the first half, did um, was it Swanson who he seemed to he seemed to try and make a pass, slipped and then hurt himself. But they were all in the same areas of the pitch, so maybe. Can, can, can I be honest? Seeing that one in the first half, Gordon, I actually wrote it down. I wrote Swanson and Slattery injured early. Swanson, duff pass, in brackets, embarrassed. <laughs> I Honestly, thought it God, might be that as well. You do something. Yeah, he, he was class <laughs> in the first half. He was class, but it looked like he just kicked the ground first. Aye. And then he kind of went down, because he was up and fine after that. I thought that was one that was like, oh, pretend I've tweaked something. But yeah. I'm actually, I mean, just made an arson. You do something shit and then pretend that you've just yeah. hurt yourself. Oh, it wasn't that, it was just a I, terrible I, pass. I genuinely yeah. wrote that down, yeah. Yeah. Or when you've been subbed off and then all of a sudden you're like, oh, yeah, just got to go off now. Yeah. So that, that's our thoughts on the game. Let us know yours on Twitter at Glory Days of Gold or email glorydaysofgold at gmail.com. I'd also be genuinely keen to know who out there is planning on buying the, the away streams for these two games coming up. So, I mean, the remaining fixtures you've got on Tuesday, the East Fives away to Clyde. Thursday, they're at home to Peterhead, don't play next Saturday, and then the season rounds off on May 4th, Tuesday night, up at Forfar. But will there be more snow? Who can say? I don't know if... I, I get it as part of my East 5 TV. If I'm around, it is a midweek game. I probably won't be doing anything. I'll probably stick it on in the background after saying I wasn't going to watch it. If I had to pay for it, I, I definitely wouldn't pay for it. Are you guys gonna be watching? Do you think? I will. I will definitely watch the home game. That's on the Thursday. Yeah, I'll definitely watch the home game. I almost definitely won't watch both of the games to be honest. Well, Fourth has not even got commentary, so it's I like a meaning meaningless last game of the season. I, I'd, I'd be more likely to watch the Forfar game than I would the Clyde game, just because it's the last game of the season. And yeah, but. But yeah, that's it. I'm, I'm disappointed that's a Tuesday, actually. A season yeah. shouldn't finish on a Tuesday. No. But what about you, Gordon? Do you think you'll watch um, those? I'll de- yeah, I'll definitely watch the the home game. I was thinking the same. Like, I, 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 don't, know. I don't really... Um, I would watch the away games if I've basically already paid for them. But yeah, I, I, I thought for some reason it seems wrong not to watch the last game of the season. Um, but I think I'll... I'll just decide on the night. I really, 
I don't I don't want to pay to watch them, but I've got a sneaky feeling I might kind of if I've got the, nothing the only, else to do, I'll get it's like it. an addiction. Yeah. The, the only the only reason I might and genuinely this isn't I'm not just saying this, but is is to give the clubs the money. Like I, I you know I, I I'm in a minimum wage job so at the moment, so you know finances aren't great, but if I can muster the money, it's, it's it's so important for these clubs, you know. So hopefully, there's a few, at least a few fans buy it. Um, I'm not I'm not forcing you to do so, but you know, if you haven't, I, think hard, I saw I saw a few people saying things like, you know, um, I'm I'm not going to pay for away streams because I don't want to give other teams money. And I think my thing was always like, you know, especially part time clubs, it's like they're all in a bit of a bad situation at the moment and. I certainly don't begrudge paying money for those wee teams that are in a bit of a, a spot as well, really. Um, you know, I think it would be good if I appreciate, you know, not everyone can buy every every stream, but it would be good if fans were a bit more kinda you know, if, if we if we bought streams for other teams and they bought streams for us, it would be a better situation. Yeah. If you can't buy a stream for Forfar Athletic away, Forfar's my favourite away ground. It always has been. I just I think it's a, such a great place to watch football. I don't, I don't know why. I just love it. So if I was ever and and I don't know about you guys, I just love their strip. It's like the original Man City. I don't know. It's something about that colour and I don't know. I just I just love their strip. Always have. It's never really changed. But yeah, Station Park. It's the best away day. See, now you've got me thinking what I feel is the best away ground that I, I always loved going to. I want to say Gayfield, but all the Angus ones are brilliant. Yeah, away, away, away game in Angus is good no matter where. Yeah, and you know what? That's exactly why the breaking thing pains me. Genuinely, that is absolutely bang on. Probably Montrose will be bottom of the list of the four. Um, Possibly, yeah. But yeah, Gayfield's a great. Gayfield's basically old debut, isn't it? It is, yeah. That's what it would be if it's. You, you've got the covering on the terracing, so when yeah. the away fans are singing, it's amplified yeah. and. The the game um, it was a few years ago, but it was the game we we drew to stay up, and they went down or they went to playoff on yeah. the last day. It's a big crowd. I always remember that like great atmosphere. Was that the 2-2 game, Gordon? 2-2, yeah. I think I'll tell you, I, point, I I'll tell you a very quick funny anecdote about that game. Uh, friend of the pod uh, who's, <laughs> who hates his life, Jonathan Tippett-Selmer, we talked about before, he's a staunch Ray Thomas fan, but one of my best friends. We, his friends! Anyway, we, <laughs> he sometimes doesn't mind coming to the East Life game, just as he calls it, for the banter. And he'll never like cheer or both scoring or, you know, he's, he's quite good that way. I've always told him I could never go to a Rovers game and not shout, get it up you when the other team scored. So I've never done it. But he's come with me at a couple of playoff games. So it's just me driving him along. He's like, yeah, I'll come along. But we went to that game and he managed to get a, a very mini Mexican wave started. And it's, he, he always says it's one of his great moments in football. That he managed to get a Mexican wave started as a Wraith Rovers fan at an Arbroath East Fife game. Yeah. That, that is the only that game. game that is the only game that I have been so nervous that I couldn't watch. Like the last ten minutes, I basically went to the back of the terrace and, and just took a wee walk behind the the wall. 
because I, I couldn't take Which is it another anymore. great thing about the ground, that you, yeah, you've got that and you can around. just go behind and just have a look out of the sea and... <laughs> Yeah. yeah, go go for a wee pish behind the wall. There, uh, I, I was I was actually like that throughout the whole of the extra time of the Scotland Serbia game. I didn't sit. Uh, I just paced, I literally paced up and down the living room from minute one of extra time until the penalties finished. I I, I couldn't. I just couldn't watch it. I just couldn't deal with it. I couldn't emotionally deal with what was going on, which is ridiculous. And again, we talk about, it, but it just shows how awesome and amazing football is. It really is. There's no other thing. There's actually, I'll say it's quietly because my girlfriend's next to yours. There's nothing else in my life that, that in many ways is important as that. That's okay. I agree. <laughs> I have headphones on, so Caitlin can't hear what I'm saying, so that's fine. <laughs> well, uh, that, that's it for the East Fife chat. I will have some more football chat shortly, but let's have a little bit of a musical break now. And for this episode, I'm going to bring back Wavelength with a, a song that's a little bit topical, you could say. It's from 1997, a band from Norwich called Halftime Oranges. We've featured them on the show before. This is from their album, Clive Baker Set Fire To Me. This is a song called, What's The Fuss About Ryan Giggs? Halftime oranges there. What's the fuss about Ryan Giggs? Felt very topical to play that on this week's show. 
But let's get back to the football chat now. We're going to have a, a just a quick chat about a couple of other things just to kind of round off the show. And I guess that brings us nicely because we've, we've talked about like what being a Nice Five fan means to us and how you've got this sense of family, this sense of belonging, the sense of community. Quick chat about the Super League. It was fun doing the live thing on Tuesday because the news was breaking as we were watching the game of these, the English clubs fighting to be the last club out of the room. And it's like, who's going to have to turn the light off as they were dropping by flies? Such a fast-moving story. It breaks on Sunday. So it broke on Sunday. I got to talk about that during our live watch along here. And then it basically ended on Tuesday and I got to talk about it on the live East Five watch along. But it's not going away. Real Madrid and Barcelona still sticking to their guns and saying that they they feel it's not dead in the water, that they're just going to be kind of just laying low basically for a bit. I read an interesting article. I can't remember what it was in. But the feeling is all the clubs had signed a binding legal agreement. And if they pull out, there's financial penalties. So the feeling was because Barca and Real Madrid are in financial trouble just now, they're sticking in because there might be a clause that they can suck some money out of these other teams as compensation. Yeah, I mean, what I, I can't think of a bigger football story in, in the last, I don't know, t- I mean, Monday or Sunday night when that broke, it really felt like the biggest thing to happen to football in my lifetime. I, 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 and the fact that it then disappeared seemingly so, you know, relatively quickly was actually quite bizarre, but it just goes to show that the, uh, my overriding thought was, thank God I'm an East Fife fan. Like genuinely, as in, we don't have to put up a VAR, which is absolute pish. Oh. We, we don't have to, I mean, you know, all this sort of global you know, businesses, money earners, foreign investors, you just don't have to deal with it. And there's something really nice to watch from the side. I mean, English football, I think, has been on the brink of implosion for a long time. It has to be financially. Just something doesn't... I mean, these clubs are losing. I think it was Sam Jordan on Top Sport was talking about like how much money English clubs or the English Premier League as a whole is losing every year. And on the back of this pandemic is like catastrophic. But so the clubs, it's almost like they're just, they just need, they need that money coming in every year. But it also shows that, for me, it also shows that American sport is absolute pish. And this lack of competition, this sort of closed, it's the closed nature of it was the problem. Yeah. I think, I think as a football fan, I think football fans around the globe kind of seem to be having the same thought was, you just can't have teams going, right, I'm in and I'm never out. I could be terrible for every year, but it doesn't matter. I'm in. And I mean, you look at like the, the Premier League this year with West Ham doing so well. And obviously, Mike, we all know. Um, you know, your Leicester's doing well. In any other, it just wouldn't matter. It just would not matter. So if, if there's no competition in football, there's, there's no football. And as a fan, why would you want to go? I mean, the whole thing. One of the chairmen, sorry, I'm waffling. One of the chairmen actually said, an unnamed chairman of an unnamed one of those six clubs 
actually said that they would use the Premier League and they would play weak teams every Premier League fixture in preparation for the European oh. Super League fixture. So that becomes the new League Cup then? So it's a farce. So, so basically you'd have six clubs in England who enter a competition that they absolutely don't care about, but they're getting a 300 million a year head start. Without a shadow of a doubt. I mean, I, I got quite excited because all I could think about was, could you imagine if the Premier League or UEFA had the balls to go, right, you six, we're kicking you out of English football. Yeah. Like you're, you're, you're done. And if you want to start again, you're starting in the Doogie Vipond, uh, you know, <laughs> Diamond League North Division. And, and just go, you know, if that's where you want to go, that's what's happening. And there was someone, then he talked about like City and Real Madrid and Chelsea getting kicked out of the Champions League this season. And I just thought, God, how good would it be if they actually did it? And you kind of knew that it maybe wouldn't come to that. But, but it, it was a scary moment. And it just shows, it does show a little bit of fan power. And also, you know, these are, these foreign owners are extremely dangerous for our game. Very extremely much dangerous. so. Like, the thing, like Doug just touched on it there, Gordon. At first I thought, oh, the power of the fans has got this through. But then the more I thought about it is, I think we're being a bit naive if we think that. It's probably more the threats of, you might get kicked out of the Champions League, you might get kicked out of English football, your players can't play in World Cups and, and UEFA tournaments and stuff like that. Was that the biggest thing? And they're trying to save face by going, well, we listened to the fans and they said no, so we're going with that. I think it was the financial implications of it that made them back out more than anything. I think that was the kind of sharp end of it, but it's like a lot of things, um, you know, like even in politics and stuff, they all, all the politicians they look at public opinion. So I think what happened was that some of these authorities, UEFA, FA, leagues and stuff, they felt a bit maybe emboldened because they knew the fans were against this so much. If what you'd seen was um, these clubs coming out, announcing the Super Leagues, and all the fans are like, oh, this sounds like a great idea. I don't think you'd have had the president of UEFA coming out and calling them like snakes and liars mm. and stuff like that. I think very, fans, very strong words from him. Oh yeah, and I think they they saw that initial reaction. They saw basically fans from the top to the bottom of the game kind of disgusted by it, and that gave them the confidence to say we're on the right side. We can stand up to these clubs because the fans are going to be on our side. Um, I, I think that's what it is. I don't think they were necessarily, you know, I don't think Roman Abramovich is reading Twitter and saying, oh my God, all these Chelsea fans are so upset. I mean, no, but I think, aye, there would have been so many fans who'd have said, who'd, I think we'd agree with that. Basically, if you want to go and play in the European Super League, you do it. But you're out. You're out of the league. You're out of the Champions League. And, you know, let's see, in five years' time, let's see whether you want back in or whether this European Super League is a success, because I genuinely think it would be a terrible. I think it would be a failure. Like I was listening, uh, John Barnes was actually I was listening to him talk about it, and he was making a lot of sense. And he was basically saying he thinks they were using this as a, you know, like you know, it was a bluff on their part. They were using it as a bluff to basically get more money for themselves out of the Champions League. But he says, That's what I thought. Yeah, when I first heard it. 
but they've played their hand now and it's they've been shown to be holding nothing. So that they always had this idea of the Super League is this idea that they could basically mention every now and again to try and get UEFA to give them more money. But now they've overplayed it. Everyone thinks it's a terrible idea and basically what UEFA should do is, is stand up to them now and mm-hmm. say, you're not getting any more money. You're going to listen to what we say now. You're going to do what we tell you because we know that you don't have any other option. Uh, hopefully that's what happens. Michael, I think I think, I think you're right though. Um, you know, they say football without fans is nothing. That's true for 95% of football, but that top 5%, they, there's no shit skipping about the fans. I mean, a Man United could alienate all their season ticket holders, all their regular going fans, and sell out Old Trafford, Old Trafford every week. Yep. With with tourists and you know and the fake fans. I I just use the time to target everyone I know who's a Man U fan. I'm a Liverpool fan, and I live in Metho, and I live in. Do you know? I think it's just because I'm an East Fife fan. It infuriates the life. It really infuriates the life out of me. I don't get this. I'm a lifelong Liverpool fan. I've never been to Anfield. I'm a lifelong man. You're not. You're just a guy who watches football on TV. You're not a supporter. You're not a fan. You're you're nothing in that regards. And I think, but I think I think that's absolutely true with the top sort of five percent. It doesn't matter because my other thought was. Man United versus Real Madrid on a Wednesday, it's probably not going to be played at Old Trafford. It's probably going to be played in Australia or Dubai or America or Japan. You know, that would have toured the world. And and like Gordon says, it would be it still would be good if the if the hierarchy took a stand against them and went, Do you know what? You might have pulled out of it, but that was your intention. You'd actually physically signed up for something with the intent to do it. So here's your punishment. But but they won't. But also, FIFA and UEFA can't really have a moral high ground. Oh, well, yeah. It was the point I was going to make. Like, they are equally as corrupt. And there's been so much hypocrisy in this. Because, like, teams like... I'm just going to pick Leeds United as an example. Because they had some sarcastic tweets after their game with Liverpool midweek, calling them, calling them Super League side, Merseyside Reds. But... In the 90s, if this idea was mooted, Leeds would have been straight in on it. And you're not telling me that these other teams in the Premier League, if it had been like eight or ten of them and there was a couple of others that were invited along, they'd be like, oh, okay, we'll we'll be part of this now. And folk always talk about, oh, look at Leicester City, you wouldn't have had that story. They spent hundreds of millions still to, to win the league title. It's not like they're some, like, AFC Wimbledon team that suddenly come through the ranks and won the the Premier League. It's so that there's a lot of hypocrisy with that as well. The interesting thing for me was the reaction over here, because it felt this was tailored for like the Asian market and the American market. And I don't know what the reaction's been like in Asia, but the fans here have been totally against it on the whole. And if that was the market they were aiming to try and tap into, the fans had no appetite for it. They watch the Premier League because they like the promotion, the relegation, the chance that a small team can do well. I could see the Super League ending up like the MLS model. I think they look envious at that. It's a closed shop. There's no relegation. But they will add teams regularly. And, for example, the expansion fee just now to get a team in Major League Soccer is £300 million. 
And I don't know if you guys know or the listeners know, Major League Soccer is basically a giant pyramid scheme. So that 300 million that a team would pay to get in, it goes to the owners of every other team in the league and then it gets divvied up. There's no onus on those owners to put that money back in the club and most of them pocket it. And then they've pled poverty during this last year because the league lost a billion dollars. But they've taken expansion fees of 700 million from two teams that's coming in. But that just goes to the owners. And this is what this Super League was going towards that kind of model, I feel. Yeah, there's, I mean, there's a massive amount of hypocrisy because you see, to, to a lower, lesser extent, you see it in Scottish football that clubs, you know, they don't make decisions based, they don't make decisions based on what's best or what's best for fans or what's best for the competition. They make selfish decisions about what's best for me and my club. If you look at the the MLS model, you know, there's some things they get right, like the the wage cap. Oh, you know, that's they, fantastic! They've, yeah, they they've seen that. You know, for this to be a successful competition, it has to be a competition. Mm-hmm. That's brilliant, and that's something that you know in Europe and the rest of the world they get completely wrong. Um, but on the other hand, something they get massively wrong is this closed shop thing. Now, you know, it just seems you have to. You have to allow, you know, you have to allow promotion and relegation. You have to allow clubs to basically earn their way up, or you know, their way down. And now you can't go to like some full, you know, p- part of having this hierarchy is there kind of needs to be big clubs, medium clubs, small clubs, all the way down. But you can make it fairer. Now, somebody, I guess, I, I don't know when they moved to this, but somebody my age, like. It seems completely natural that the home team takes all the the revenue for a game because it's been like that for decades. But you think, why? It's two clubs playing each other. Why isn't the revenue split? Even things, every decision that's been taken over the past 40 years is to make rich clubs richer and poor clubs poorer. Well, yeah, like look at Bournemouth. They they had, what, 12,000 capacity. So they get all of that. But if they play Man United at Old Trafford, they've got 60,000 yeah. or whatever. Yeah, and it's the two team, same two teams playing, um, but you know, in, in in Scottish football, the you know the the big trick was to get clubs like Aberdeen, Hibs, Hearts to to delude themselves into thinking that they were the big clubs who were going to benefit. It's like no, there's only two clubs that are going to benefit from this, and it's like oh, the fact that you you maybe feel that you're holding like you know St Mirren or Hamilton's head below the waterline. But you don't realise that that's happening to you from above, and it has killed the Scottish Premier League as a competition. Killed it. I I wonder though, is there another league in the world where the top two teams are that bigger than the rest? Like it's easy to say like Bayern and Borussia in mm. in Germany, but there's probably I don't know off the top of my head five or six clubs in Germany who've got forty fifty thousand stadiums. You know, the, the difference in Scotland is absolutely massive. It really is. I just... Yeah. I, I mean, you, I, you've I got in France... Depend. France, you've got PSG because they've spent all the money, but Lyon so, pushed so, them a little bit. And So, in, in I mean, I know um, like my girlfriend's from Uruguay, so I hear about Uruguayan football. They've got two massive clubs, National and Peñarol. Mm. They've got a big league... But basically, outside of that, all the clubs are really small. And in terms of fan base and size of clubs, 
there's probably a bigger difference between those two and say like a mid-table Premier team. But those two don't dominate to quite the same extent because I think it's just not everything is in their favour. They are not allowed to just accumulate money at the expense of everyone else. Um, but they are prob- they're probably similar in that it's two massive clubs and then a massive gap. Well, I mean, the, the game needs an overhaul. And there'd been these rumours for years that the Premier League in England was looking at a closed shop and they weren't going to allow promotion relegation. Then the Sun had an article this week, which you can take with a pinch of salt, because it's probably been put out there by the old firm, that the old firm teams are looking to to join a British Super League. Oh, good, get rid of them. I, I, I No, I read that and I was like, oh, please, help Scottish football. Because yeah. something needs to happen. The game throughout Europe needs to be overhauled in some way. The Super League's not it. But you have to stop teams running away with it. Folk talk about the German model where it's fan ownership. It's like 50 plus one. I love that. It hasn't stopped Bayern running away with the German league, though, eight or nine times in a row. Part of that, though, is that they get all the money from European competition as well so they can just buy all the good players. And then they do what Celtic and Rangers do. If there's any decent players in German football, they just buy them and just bring it there. So I don't know what the easy answer is. The Super League wasn't it. Let us know your thoughts. These are the kind of discussions I hope that we're going to have on the pod over the, the coming weeks and months of the off-season. As I've said before, we're probably not going to do weekly pods once the season's finished, take a little bit of a break. We'll be back with interviews and stuff. This is way longer than I meant, but I just want to finish things off with a bit of fun, something upbeat. Friday, April 23rd, was the 40th anniversary of one of my all-time favourite football films. And it's it's loosely a football film. Football is a big part of it, but I guess it's more a romantic comedy. I'm talking, of course, about the Scottish classic Gregory's Girl. I, When I was over last year, um, in February, it was on TV one night, and I hadn't watched it for a couple of years. I was like, oh, that'll do me. I'll just stick that on. I loved it, watching it. It still seemed fresh. It's dated in bits, but it was still a good film. But that it got me thinking, I tasked you guys with having a thought as well, about what your all-time favourite football films are. The thing with football films is they struggle on the whole to capture the actual playing side. So I think a lot of the best football films, it's more stuff that's happening off the pitch. But, I mean, what what have you guys got uh, as some of your favourites? We'll start with Gordon. So, with favourite films, I feel like I always have to kind of have slightly different categories. So, most football Hmm. films are... Maybe like a bit ridiculous or a bit crap, but in terms of it being a good film, I've got The Damned United. I really like that. I like that too. Um, I actually have a souvenir whistle. It was a promotional item. I've got a Damned United whistle. I bought it on eBay. It sits in a box. I don't know why I spent that money on it, but my my wife can sell it upon my death and get that £10 back. What's is it? Michael Sheen. Uh, is it Mike? Yeah. Michael Sheen? Yeah, Michael Sheen. Yeah. Um, he's excellent he, at it. He's, and he, I think he's actually he's quite a good footballer as well. Yeah, because so he's scene, played in soccer aids and stuff like that. Yeah, I think he was like, you know, he was maybe like a youth player at a club or something, you know, he's that kind of thing. So the, the little scenes where he plays football, and there's no many of them, but he's actually quite good. I think that makes a bit of a difference sometimes. It looks ridiculous sometimes, and 
quite often in American films where they have people playing football, it's like, oh my god, that's, that's absolutely terrible. <laughs> um, another one where the, where the scenes were quite good because they got a load of Scottish uh, lower league players was um, was it a shot of glory. I was wondering yeah. if anyone was going to mention that one. No, that's a terrible that, film. But... Oh, it's a terrible. Like, but that is like, I think that's in so bad it's good. And it's it's funny to just like you you're watching it and it's like oh there's Robert Duval and there's Andy Smith with his big ears, you know and all like there's Didi Agat and stuff like that. Um, that's that's definite. So bad it's good. And what else they got? Ah, Mike Bassett, England manager. Yeah. I think that's just. I just watched that last year and the TV series as well because I hadn't seen that for a while and it's like still so good, so funny. Yeah. Oh, there's some like classic <laughs> clips in there. And uh, another one, it's terrible, but it's so sort of cringy that it's quite good. Escape to Victory. Which, funnily enough, I just bought on DVD at the end of last year. Because I was like, because I was talking about football films here, and I was like, oh, I haven't seen that for years. It's always on TV in the UK. It's never, it's on streaming services here that I don't even have. It's like weird shit. So I bought the DVD on an impulse. I haven't watched it. It's been sitting upstairs gathering dust for four months. So there's a rumour about I heard this, that, you know, in the, the version that everyone's seen, the last scene is Sylvester Stallone saving the penalty to get, like, a 4-4 draw, and then the crowd uh, come onto the pitch and they escape. But I heard that the the American version of the film, that the directors or whatever said, oh, Americans won't like that, they won't like it as a draw... So basically what happened was Sylvester Stallone saves the penalty, puts the ball down, dribble, dribbles past the full Nazi team and then scores the winner to make it 5-4. <laughs> now, I don't know whether that's just, that's made up. But that I'd sounds love to know made whether up. That's true. But... It does, yeah. I suppose if it was, I don't know, I could probably Google it, but I was like, well, it's not, it's not confirm that. It's not called Escape to Victory over here. It's just called Victory. Oh. I like Escape to Victory better. That was the four that I came up with. What about yours, Doug? Because you you promised uh, us a big seven minute monologue here on one no, of the. No, no, I'm joking, yeah. uh, I, I just put a wee thing on Facebook after you'd mentioned it, wanted to see what people's thoughts were. My own personal ones. Um, I always quite like the Mean Machine, which is it's terrible. Vinnie Jones and um, and. Jason Statham is the monk goalie is brilliant in it. I mean, it's it's, it's pretty terrible, but um, yeah, it's one of these films like I've watched and I've actually watched again, uh, you know, even though it's pretty poor. So I obviously have a little soft spot, spot for it. Uh, Jonathan, as aforementioned, said local hero. I don't know what that that's was. Not, that's not a football film, though. Okay, that's because he's a Rovers twat. Uh, okay, uh, Damned United was mentioned, which is very good. Escape to Victory was mentioned. Uh, Bend It Like Beckham. That was my first date with my ex-wife, ah. uh, was Bend It Like Beckham, which Kira Knightley uh, was in. And again, it's pretty crap, but, you know, it's it's no bad. It's, it's a watchable one. Uh, the but one there's, there's cousin... things in that film, if you watched it back now, the coach would probably be in up in court on charges for oh, abusing his authority uh, and stuff. Absolutely. He, he's a creepy bastard. <laughs> um, my cousin said, uh, more documentary, but Next Goal Wins, which I've not seen. I keep meaning to watch about the 
the small island football coach. Yeah, I've got it's on it's on YouTube actually. Um, I downloaded it last year when I was going through this phase of I was wanting to watch all these football films one a week and I never got around to watching that one. We should have a watch along. That were mine. I I didn't go down the sort of Green Street and all that wash, but uh, Mm. uh, yeah. So I think for me, I would. I'd probably, I'd probably go. I'll go Mean Machine, uh, even though it's it's crap. But there's not been a shot. I mean, a shot at Glory. I mean, wow. <laughs> you know, I mean, wow. That's all we can say about that. Yeah, uh, I have that on DVD as well. I've got a collection of football films. Um, my dream is to have like some kind of football film festival here at one point, curate it and put all these films that folk would come and watch and go, what the fucking hell is this about? I, I, one of the ones in that, which is actually in my top list, and this is going to make me sound like an arty dick, but uh, the Nepalese name for it is Forpa. Uh, the English title is The Cup. And it's a, it's a 1999 film from Bhutan about uh, Nepalese monks that are trying to get a signal to watch the 1998 World Cup final. And it's it's just really heartwarming, and it just shows how football can capture every single community in the world, whether you're rich or poor. So they're trying to get, like, rabbit ears, TV aerials to try and just get some kind of thing, and it keeps dying, and they get, like, a generator fired up to try and watch the games, and it's in black and white TV. It's a beautiful film, so it's it's called The Cup. Damned United is one of the ones that's up there for me as well. I I love that. I I know it's a bit controversial because Brian Clough's family said it had it's basically not realistic. The there was a player that played for Derby County at the time that went on to play for the Whitecaps in their big '79 Soccer Bowl win. So he was over last or two years ago, and I actually asked him about the film, and he said, "Yeah, that none of that stuff was real." Um, but it, I don't care about that. It stands on its own as a good film, and I've I've got a couple of football violence films that I do love. I like ID, Shadwell Town. I was trying to find out the year of that. I can't can't find it here, but that it's an undercover cop that infiltrates a group of football hooligans but then gets really caught up with it and ends up as like the leader of the football hooligans for real and he's like forgotten he's undercover he's just so into it there is a follow-up id2 made years later with very loose connections and it's a pile of shit but the best football violence film is the firm it was it's a kind of bbc made for tv documentary um gary oldman's the lead character i think trying to find the year i think it's 1982 it's kind of around the time where there was like scum and the firm and made in britain it was all these kind of really gritty films so it's about a group of english hooligans the all these rival groups combine to go and fight for england uh, the world cup or a european competition or something it, it's just over an hour i think it's in full for free on youtube as well it's it's very violent, but it's interesting. They've all got like jobs like as accountants or proper day jobs, but then they just live for this weekend fighting. And then there's all the conflict because you're putting rival groups together. It, it's a it's a cracker. 
But yeah, that's that's my selection. Let us know yours if you've got any favourite football films. Down the line, we'll talk about TV shows. Maybe that's to do with football as well. Jossie's Giant, Murphy's Mob. There was one here called 21 Thunder about a, a Montreal under-21 team that was in a reserve league of MLS that doesn't exist. And the production company wanted me to to promote it because it's Canadian-made. So I was like, sure. I was like, y- you don't happen to have a jersey from the, the show that I could wear on a radio show. No one's going to fucking see it. I'm like, yeah, we'll send you that. So I've got a used jersey from the thing. So I, I need to try that in future things. I'll try and get some free stuff. But yeah, that's it. That is pretty much it for the show. I hope you've enjoyed it. We didn't want to just focus on these five. I've really enjoyed this show. I don't know about you guys. Way longer mm. than I said it was going to be. I've missed the first half of West Ham Chelsea, but they were getting beat, so that's fine. Just before we go, any final thoughts, Gordon? What to tell folk where they can find you online? Uh, you can find me online on Twitter, Gordon H1938. Um, I didn't. I didn't want to say this as you were talking about your football football films because you mentioned some proper films and it was going to really lower the tone. <laughs> but if anyone's never heard of this or never seen, it's well worth looking on YouTube for clips of a film called Soccer Dog European Cup. I have I think, not I think seen that. I think it's even supposed to be. Like set in Scotland, and it's all these American actors doing terrible Scottish accents, but it's very funny. Does the dog play? The the dog has got a sort of it's like it's like a terrible Scottish football team, but they find a little dog who's got a a sort of weird ability to play football, and he's like the best player in the world. So that's the premise. It's very good. (laughs) That sounds fantastic. do you know what's Do you know what's worse from a poor girlfriend who sat downstairs for the last two hours is we're now going to go watch soccer dog. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to love that street. A great Saturday. My night. wife's upstairs doing a course that she's doing on psychology, and I said, "Oh, we'll just be an hour. You can come back down after that." I keep hearing her moving to come out the bedroom to see if I'm still talking. I'll I'll and continue then, talking uh, when you guys have gone just to make her think I'm still doing and now this. You're gonna go, and now you're also going to go watch Soccer Dog. Um, I've got you, a Whitecaps game in an hour that I'm now going to be watching, so she's going to be back up there again. You can you can find me on Facebook, Doug Perry. Um, like I said earlier on, let's try and get that sort of um, well balanced and light hearted chat about where these five should be. So we'll, we'll get. We'll try and get a wee post put out about that um, yeah. to try and get some. But it would definitely be interesting because it would be worth discussing discussing the outcomes on another show. But uh, apart from that, um, just, yeah, stay happy, everyone. Yeah, stay happy. Football will be back competitively in August for us. Just It's not long now. I know we've still got games, but who cares about those? Give us a follow on Glory Days of Gold on Twitter. Give me a follow at AFTN Canada and at AFTN website. You can read our stuff, AFTN.co.uk for Scottish stuff, AFTN.ca for Whitecaps, MLS, North American soccer chat. But that is it for this week's show. Um, Thank you for listening to us. Thank you guys for giving up so long on your Saturday night as always. Not sure when we will be back, but we will be back soon. Until then, stay safe, take care, and mourn the fife. Going to your first match is an experience you never forget. The atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful, and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. 
if you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life.